You're listening to The Nancy Gaines Show. The goal of this podcast is to help business owners be successful and gain the advantage. Nancy has helped some of today's top Fortune 500 companies across a wide spectrum of industries work through their toughest challenges. She can help you too. So if you can't find the solutions you need, there are no more books to read or workshops to attend. The Nancy Gaines Show can be the difference between your success and failure. And now your host, Nancy Gaines. Hi, this is Nancy Gaines, and welcome to The Nancy Gaines Show, where we provide actionable ideas for entrepreneurs to grow their business and be even more productive. The focus of today's podcast is all about why business owners should choose mediation over going to court. And I'm super excited to have a very special guest with me, Sam Ventola. Let me tell you all about him. He is the founding partner and mediator at Ventola Mediation. With a bachelor's degree in both poli-sci, political science, and philosophy, he received his law degree from the University of Colorado in Boulder. He's been an attorney on both sides in business litigation, employment disputes, probate litigation, and personal injury cases. In addition to being an attorney, he's been a mediator, hearing officer, labor relations professor, and lecturer on litigation, employment, and First Amendment issues. It's his goal and passion to help business owners resolve disputes efficiently and effectively. Welcome, Sam. Thanks for sharing part of your day. What else do you want to add to that introduction? Well, that was great, Nancy, and thank you so much for having me. So yes, um, I do uh, really enjoy the mediation aspect of my practice. I'm also a commercial litigator, and I also represent churches and religious organizations and do other First Amendment-related work. Awesome. But uh, I'd love to talk about the favorite part of that, and that's the mediation. Very cool. Well, to get everyone on the same page, Sam, can you share the difference between mediation, arbitration, and going to court, just to get everybody kind of understanding where we're at? Sure. So typically, if you do not have any agreement saying otherwise, what you do is you go to court. So if you have a dispute with somebody and there's no provision for mediation or arbitration, you haven't made an agreement for that, you'll go to court. And the court will, uh, depending on the type of case, either there will be a jury or not a jury, and you'll go through the court process, which is generally pretty long and expensive, Uh, takes a year or so, sometimes longer. And at the end of that, either the judge or the jury will give you your decision. Unless you make, which happens in most cases, you make an agreement along the way to resolve the case. So that's litigation. Arbitration is similar to litigation. Arbitration occurs when somebody has an agreement with the other party to submit their dispute to an arbitrator. And so it is like court in the sense that a decision is made for you and the arbitrator will, you know, after you have your hearing or whatever, will tell you who wins and how much they pay. Now, arbitration varies widely. There are different types of arbitration. Most arbitration agreements, most arbitration provisions require you to use a service like um, AAA, the American Arbitration Association, and it's very expensive. It typically is at least as expensive as going to court because the arbitrators will typically use court procedures and you'll have the same number of depositions and written discovery and motions and stuff like that that you would have if you went to court. The only difference is you're paying for your judge um, rather than the judge being a state employee, and that's what can actually make it more expensive than litigation. Now, mediation differs from the two of those in that it's a procedure that people go in that, first of all, is going to be very brief and very economical, and second, 
it does not impose a resolution. A resolution only occurs if in the mediation, the two parties agree to a settlement agreement and then a, a written agreement is written and, and then that resolves the case. So those are three different ways you can resolve disputes. Very frequently when people are in litigation or even arbitration, they still do mediation late in the case. And they'll, again, you know, 90, 95% of cases are resolved by a settlement agreement of some, time, some kind, typically done in mediation. What occurs so frequently is that the parties will have spent a lot of money getting to that place where they're doing mediation, you know, just before the trial. And so mediation can also be something that the parties try to approach sooner. That totally makes sense. So could you give us some examples of some business disagreements that are ideal candidates for mediation? Well, you know, uh, one thing is a lot of times one party, like there may be a dispute where a party is accused of owing money to the other party. The party that is being sued may have very limited resources. And it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to spend um, hundreds of thousands of dollars going after this party, you know, and then when you get a judgment, if you, even if you do get a judgment, you have no way to collect it. So instead of both parties spending a lot of money on lawyers, it makes sense that the parties look to, you know, is there a way we can re resolve this sooner? Really, I think any business dispute can be appropriate for mediation because litigation is not, what, what, what we call a mediation is a business-like way to resolve business disputes. And litigation is not a business-like way to resolve disputes. There was a study by Duke University that found that when people are in litigation, they actually spend more money on the lawyers and the litigation process than ends up uh, trading hands in either judgments or settlements as a result of the litigation. In other words, they're spending more money on the litigation process than is being won in the litigation. It's a really unadvisable way to approach these disputes. Any business dispute, I would say, would be one where the parties should, even early on, not at the end of the day, the party should look at the issue of whether mediation is appropriate. So I have never been in a mediation. Is there one person who's the referee for both parties, or does each party find their own mediator? So the parties can be represented by counsel, or they may not be. And I kind of encourage people to think about having mediation without attorneys, because attorneys, you know, they're like doctors, and they believe in their own medicine. And And if you if the first phone call you make when you have a business dispute um, with someone is to your attorney, the attorney will start giving you the answers that will benefit the attorney. And those are answers that, well, okay, let's file something in court. Let's get people in for depositions. Let's demand a bunch of discovery. Let's file a bunch of motions. You know, and, and I'm not saying they're being dishonest. They actually may believe that this is what's going to help, but it's probably not going to help in the sense that, again, as that study described, you're, you're probably going to be spending more money on the litigation than the case is worth. But you, you can have lawyers in a mediation, and most mediations actually do have lawyers there. So each party you know, may well have their own lawyer, but there will be one mediator, and the mediator is what we call the neutral. They don't, they don't represent, they don't favor either side. They are there to try to help the two sides work together. The physically, the way the mediation goes, you know, differs a lot by the mediator. Some mediators will say, you know, I want all the people in one room together and we're going to sit and we're going to hash out our grievances and we're going to be heard 
we're going to hear and be heard and the purpose of this is to make sure everybody you know gets a chance to air their grievances i don't do it that way i will typically in most kinds of cases i will separate the parties from the very beginning go and visit with the parties making the claim and say what is it that you're trying to get what are your arguments and then i will go back and forth confront each side with some of the arguments that the other side has and, and maybe some of the ones that I see based upon my experience that they need to think about in terms of potential problems with going on the way they are, which is going on to litigation. So are they all in the same location, but in two separate conference rooms and you right, stand yeah. just walk between them? Okay, got it. It's possible to do telephone mediations. To tell you the truth, I've never done one, and but I don't see why they can't be done. Typically, it's in, a, in an office. We have conference rooms that are somewhat separated, so you never even have to see the people go back and forth. So I know when somebody wins a court case, often the losing party gets a judgment added to their public record, and the winner can garnish wages or a bank account. Does mediation have that same leverage where it gets recorded in the public records, and then you can get garnishments to collect? No, no. Uh, the only way that would happen is if you made a mediation agreement and the agreement was, you know, this person will pay X amount of money in X amount of days and didn't do that, then that person, then the person who didn't get paid could, could take that mediation agreement and file that in the court. And obviously, since it's a fairly simple agreement, that court proceeding wouldn't be too uh, costly and could get a judgment. In that case, it would be a judgment. But if there's a mediation, where uh, the parties actually follow through and do what they promised to do in the agreement, there would not be any recorded judgment or, you know, red flags in their records like that. It, it, one example, you know, I've done a lot of mediations in um, landlord-tenant disputes. And if somebody is evicted uh, in a court proceeding, they get a uh, notation on their record that they've been evicted, and that can really hurt them in trying to find other housing. So one of the advantages of meeting it, that doesn't help anybody. I mean, it doesn't help the landlord that the, that the tenant will have that thing on their record. So that's something that can be used to try to resolve the case in the sense that, look, you know, if we can get to a resolution here, you won't have this. And it doesn't cost the landlord anything to allow the tenant to avoid having that on their record. That's an example of why a, a media, one circumstance where a mediated solution may be better. That's a great example because I happen to be a landlord and I purposely file on their record hoping that at some point they're going to buy a house down the road and want to pay me <laughs> all their back rent yeah. to get back up. Yeah. So I could see that. I would definitely be open to mediation if I trusted that people would keep their agreements. Do you ever have people back out of an agreement after you've gotten everything Very on the rarely. Same page? And there, very rarely. And, and there are ways to structure agreements so that you know, if you're worried about the other side paying, and this is something you may use if, if somebody, you know, you're worried that somebody's not going to have the money or it's just it's going to squirrel out on the thing. You know, there are things that you can say, if you pay me X amount of money by this date, uh, here's what you pay me. But if you don't, and I do this very frequently in, in landlord-tenant disputes, if, if this doesn't get paid, then the amount you owe me is this, and the amount I can go to court for and get a judgment for is, is a higher amount. And that way, there's an incentive that creates an incentive on all parties to make sure the agreement gets paid as it should be. I like that because I do work with my residents, but if they don't keep their agreement and they don't tell me something's come up, then it's hard for me to trust that they're going to keep their agreement going forward. Yeah. So, so if they're I in the mediation, to... they're telling you that I promised to do this. And most, 
I mean, at this point, most of my mediations are not residential, they're, they're commercial leases. But a lot of the same principle applies in the sense that, you know, you can create incentives for everybody to make sure that, that they complete the promises that they're making in the mediation. Yeah, that's a really good idea. So I know you've done mediation for a while. What are some of the traits of a good mediator and how do people find a mediator if they're not here in Denver? You know, I don't, I honestly cannot tell you how people can find mediators. Um, you know, I would say Google it or look in the phone book or whatever, but you know, you have no guarantee that that person is going to be a good mediator and, and things are so different place to place. I do not know, you know, one good resource. Um, you know, there are mediation organizations, but sometimes, you know, membership in those organizations doesn't buy anything other than they paid a bunch of money. I do not have one resource to tell people, you know, nationally or internationally, uh, where to go to get mediators. I, I, other than to try to, try to, you know, I'll express some opinions about what a good mediator would be. And that, and that would be somebody, you know, there are, there are basically three types of mediators, and most of them are either retired judges or non-attorneys and you know there there's a place for both of those and i and i have had a lot of cases settled before both kinds of mediators that i was representing a party and it can work but there are problems with both of them retired judges one i mean they're fantastically expensive and they're basically you know this is the retirement plan is doing these these mediations and they're, they're not very engaged and they tend to just sort of be non-confrontational about the about the issues and they'll say well they say this and they'll pay this so how you want to respond and they're basically taking money offers back and forth rather than engaging the issues and you have the same problem with with non-attorney mediators in, in it, particularly because they don't have any legal training they may not have the ability to resolve those issues i would recommend finding a mediator who is an experienced um, litigator in the field that you're in so, for example, if you have a personal injury case, you know, you might find a mediator who, who represented people in personal injury cases, either the defendants or the plaintiffs. If, if you're in a, litigate, in a commercial litigation, I would, I would find somebody experienced in business litigation because that, that person is not only going to know the law and how it might apply to the case, but is also going to know what you are in for if you do not um, resolve the case. In the world of mediation, we have a phrase we call the BATNA which stands for the best alternative to a negotiated agreement. You really have to focus on what your BATNA is in promoting the mediation solution. In other words, unless you mediate, unless you reach a resolution in this mediation, this is what you're looking at. And a judge is not going to really know that because a judge has been on the bench. They don't really know what commercial litigators go through and, the, and their clients in the, in the, in the litigation process. And a, and a non-attorney mediator is certainly not going to know that. So you want somebody who's going to be able to say, look, you know, A, this is what you're going to be going through as this goes down. And B, you know, here's how some of these issues are probably going to be resolved. A party may think, hey, you know, I want to go to mediation. I mean, I want to go to litigation. I don't want to settle here because there are a bunch of documents I think I'm going to get. An experienced commercial litigator will be able to say, you probably are or not going to get those documents. And that may help you come to a solution by by better knowing what your BATNA is. I remember that term from my MBA school. We had a negotiation class, which was oh. really fun. And I actually won. I don't know how, but it was really <laughs> exciting. I told my opponent I needed $5,000, and he disagreed where everybody else was like 200 or 300 Super fun. Oh, wow. 
Well, I loved your answer because that's why your company is so fantastic because Ventola Mediation also has a law arm, so you can always find the right solution for people, right? Well, so if somebody approaches me as a mediator, then I, I do not represent them as an attorney. But you've got uh, the attorney background, the knowledge, Exactly, right? exactly yeah, right. That is awesome. And you also have a podcast, Sam. Can you tell us a little bit about that and get some of our listeners over to hear what you're doing on that show? Sure. So our, our podcast, and it's also a webcast, is called um, Sam the Answer Man. And what we do is we discuss, you know, a different legal topic. And they're each about, I don't know, 20 minutes or so. It's on YouTube, the web version, and the um, and the audio version is on Stitcher and iTunes and basically all the all the different platforms for audio podcasts. But um, we go we we discuss legal issues that people might be interested in, both from a mediation standpoint as well as a as an attorney standpoint, and kind of you know give people some background on areas of the law and, and tell them some legal principles that they may not know and kind of a sort of educational thing about legal topics. For example, we have one on how do you prepare for a deposition? We have another one on what is the what is the litigation process? So anybody who may be, you know, maybe facing these issues or just generally interested in the legal process, we have, I don't know, 12, 16 of them up right now. So, and we, we continue to do them. So, uh, you know, you might find something there you're interested in. That's awesome. And I hear you actually break these down into regular everyday terms and not so much legalese terms. So anybody listening can get value from every yeah, that's episode. Definitely. Yeah, I have. I have my wife, Gina, uh, questions me and she's not an attorney, although she has legal background. She's not an attorney. And she kind of, you know, if I get into legalese, at least once per podcast, she'll say, all right, tell people what that means. Don't just say that. <laughs> and so uh, I, I do think that they're very accessible, um, even to somebody who don't have a legal education. Very cool. So guys, check out Sam the Answer Man podcast and YouTube and learn a few more things. Are you ready for the signature question? Uh, I don't know what it is, so I hope I am. <laughs> Sam, I am all about time freedom and getting people back more time in their day. So if you had one more hour in your day, 25 hours every day, how would you spend that extra hour? You know, I, I, there's something I used to do earlier in my career that I have not been able to do, and that's just, and, and that's just to research new, you know, new things coming out in the law, new court decisions, new uh, changes to statutes or rules, and just, you know, be aware of everything, you know, that's coming down as it changes. And I have, I have less time for that now. And so if I had, if I had another hour, I would think it would be just for more study of, of the law, you know, in general, rather than as it, as it applies to my specific cases. That's cool. Yeah, it's hard to keep up. Someone once said we have infobesity, meaning we've got so much information now that we just can't keep up. I loved that term. I thought it was really appropriate. <laughs> so, Sam, for people who would like to work more closely with you, how can they connect with you? Websites, whatever you're comfortable sharing, social media? So our website is VentolaLaw.com, and we have links there to a lot of, maybe all of our um, uh, podcasts and webcasts, as well as I do a, a blog, and it, it kind of follows the webcast. If, uh, in a webcast, I'll say, you know, look at our blog, and there'll be more information written for them uh, on the issue. So, we, so we have that blog, we have the webcast, um, we have the Sam the Answer Man uh, podcast. So, if you look at Ventola Law, you'll find that. Or if you're, or if you're just interested in the webcast, if you just Google Sam the Answer Man. Uh, you know, you'll you'll come up with our YouTube page as well as our iTunes page and so forth. 
Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Is there anything else you'd like to add that I didn't think to ask you? Oh, I should have said also we have a separate mediation page. It's called um, Ventola Mediation. That is also a place can, people can go with things specific to mediation. Awesome. Um, I'll, I'll put all of that in the show notes when this goes live, too. Yeah, anything else you want to add that's uh, super interesting to you or that you want to share with the listeners? Well, I'm really passionate about the First Amendment. And we're going to be starting soon. We don't have it yet, but I don't know when <laughs> when people will be listening to this. We will soon have a um, series of posts called Faces of the First Amendment. And and what that will be is that we'll, we'll start with several of them that we do on our own, which are pictures of people who are exercising um, their First Amendment rights to freedom of speech or religion. And then we're going to be encouraging people who are themselves engaged, you know, to to send us their own pictures and their own descriptions of, of what's going on and, and, and how they're exercising their First Amendment rights and why that's important. There are a lot of ways to, to, um, that people exercise First Amendment rights in a lot of ways that people wouldn't think of. And that's what we're trying to educate people about in this series is that the First Amendment, you know, it, it's not just for newspapers. It's not just for politicians. It's, it's for everybody. It's important that we protect those rights and it's important that people know what they are. So be looking for that. Google that faces of the First Amendment, and hopefully we'll have something up on that soon. Very cool. So could you give us just a quick example of what's a non-political or non-newspaper First Amendment? Well, for example, um, one of our pictures is of a homeless person who is, you know, has a sign and is trying to get uh, money. Now, a lot of people think homeless person is just an, a nuisance. But in fact, they have a First Amendment right to ask people for money, believe it or not. And that's something that we shouldn't try to prevent them from doing. Yeah, we prevent them from blocking you or harassing you or yelling at you or whatever. But for them to just uh, walk up and, you know, and ask you for money, that's something they're, they're constitutionally allowed to do. Another example we have is somebody who we work with um, who is a printer. And, um, and we have a picture of this gentleman by his printing press. And he, you know, he is a conduit for other people to express their First Amendment rights. It's so important that, you know, there can be a small business that can, you know, hire, you know, back back in the old days, only powerful governments had printing presses and they were the only ones who could get their message out. But now there are small printers and people who can hire them and they can all get their message out that way. Um, same thing with web, uh, you know, web publications. So, and same thing with your, you know, with, with your web series here. Uh, you're exercising your First Amendment rights and allowing your guests to exercise their First Amendment rights. If you want to send me a picture, I'll, I'll include you in our series. Very cool. So that's Faces, <laughs> faces of the First Amendment? Right. And is first spelled out with F-I-R-S-T or is it yes. the number? No, F-I-R-S-T. Perfect. I'll put that in the show notes as well. Sam, thanks so much for taking time to be on the show. Lots of cool stuff. I learned some new things about mediation that I haven't thought about. So very cool. Thank Listeners, you so much for having us. Yeah, thanks, Sam. Listeners, I just rolled out a new program for business owners looking to systemize their company in 30 days or less. If you're feeling overwhelmed and overworked in your business, this program is for you. We work side-by-side to actually get systems created so you leave with things done. Just go to nancygains.com or shoot me an email, nancy at nancygains, and we can chat. And if you love this show, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. It helps other people find us. And until next time, go out, 
and gain the advantage. You've been listening to The Nancy Gaines Show, where you can gain the advantage. To schedule a VIP strategy day or speed consulting session with Nancy, connect with her on her website, nancygaines.com. That's Nancy, G-A-I-N-E-S dot com. On Twitter, Nancy L. Gaines. And on LinkedIn, Nancy Gaines. Be sure to check back on Nancy's website for new episodes. Until next time, you've been listening to The Nancy Gaines Show. Go out and gain the advantage.